CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ben, the following comes from the Wall Street Journal. Rap sensation, Sean Diddy Combs, or P. Diddy, or Puff Daddy. He has agreed to purchase licensed marijuana operations in Illinois and three other states for up to $185 million, adding a new business to a portfolio that includes fashion, media, and spirits. If approved by U.S. and state regulators, the deal could create the nation's largest black-owned and licensed cannabis company, Mr. Combs. Said he, that's about four names we've given this guy now. Mr. Combs said he wants to use the business as a platform to increase black participation in the cannabis industry. All right. Uh, first of all, let me address a couple of rumors that have been circulating uh, lately in light of this uh, recent development uh, about Mr. Combs. There is no truth to the rumor that has been put out there by the Wall Street Journal uh, that Mr. Combs is about to buy the Ben Jarofsky show. There is no truth to <laughs> no. that rumor. No. So let's end that right now. No. Now, we are in negotiations with Jay-Z, okay? Also hold not on. true. Also not hold true. On, hold, hold on a second. I got a phone call. <laughs> Beyonce, how many times do I have to tell you, don't call me when I'm recording, okay? All right. I'll, we'll negotiate a deal, but I'm in the middle yeah. of the show, okay? This happens all the time, guys. Beyonce <laughs> Beyonce's always calling me up. Oh, my gosh. Finally uh, happened on the show, during the show. So let me just say this. <laughs> Let me just say this about that. Uh, I dutifully tried to read the article that you sent me, but of course I had the paywall. Somehow oh. or other, you figured out a way to get around the Wall Street Journal paywall. That Wall Street Journal paywall was like Matumbo. Don't come at me. Block my shot. That's about uh, all you really need. That's about all you really need to know, though, to weigh in, right? <laughs> Into the headline. So here's the deal. I'm happy that Combs is diversifying his enormous portfolio, and you're always welcome to buy the Ben Jarofsky show if you want to. For a couple million dollars. But uh, wouldn't that be funny if the phone rang? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, and I'm also happy that finally uh, somebody, a black person is getting involved in the cannabis business in the state of Illinois. The whole freaking program, uh, well, in my opinion, was uh, warranted to, what, compensate black people for bearing the brunt of the war on drugs? We, we talk about this so much in the show, I will never tire talking about it. It's always black people getting arrested. All those years, white people are smoking reefer, never get arrested. Black people are getting arrested, hauled into jail all the time for possession, this, that, and the other thing. Finally, legalize it. Uh, give these very lucrative contracts out to, to entrepreneurs to sell it. And guess what? No black guy is anywhere near it. So, I, look, is it uh, some ordinary Joe on the street who got busted last but two years ago when it was illegal, no, it's a, a gazillionaire. All right. So I get it. It's not helping a regular guy in the street, but D I think it's, pro it's sort of progress. It's like inching toward progress and come on. Don't you, don't you want to be positive about things? You know what I'm saying? Is it our old friend, Vincent Norman? No. Okay. Is it our old friend, Ricky Hendon? No. Okay. <laughs> but you know, it's better than, I don't know, John Belushi. Oh, I didn't mean that. That's bad. I meant Jim Belushi. My apologies. Let's edit that out. Dude. You know what I meant. Jim Belushi's in the game, not John Belushi. That's the older brother who died. 
So anyway, you get my point, D. I think it's progress. Well, let's continue that work. Okay. So we get to less, what, wealthy, more regular folks to get some of the benefit. Don't you, don't you think that's a, a good way of looking at it? I do. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And that's a cold opening. Face coverings. Hit up! All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, November 4th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. They talk about reefer and columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell everybody about your latest column. Oh, my God, I take apart the Chicago Fire Day. We've talked about it here on the show uh, with the great Mick Dumpke. uh, And that's the one where there was land dedicated for uh, supposedly promised for construction of uh, affordable housing, low income housing. And guess what? That land wasn't used for uh, a low income housing or affordable housing. It was used as a practice facility for the Chicago Fire. So I take apart that deal and put it in the historical context of the city of Chicago. Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. It is Friday, November 4th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week. now your host b diddy <laughs> b daddy no uh, chicago reader columnist ben jarofsky hello everybody ben jarofsky here we're calling this waiting for eric friday and here's why so bright and early this morning when i woke to the sounds of chirping birds and dennis chopping wood i got an email from an old friend eric easy zorn uh the easy stands for eric zorn And his favorite song is Easy Like a Sunday Morning. Anyway, Eric Zorn, a former Chicago Tribune columnist, former uh, basketball coach, as I like to point out, uh, outstanding youth basketball coach, cultivated much talent, was teaching the young ones how to do a zone defense, how to full court press the little three-year, third-graders, you're going to learn this or you're running 10 laps. No, he didn't really do that. And an outstanding uh, guitar player uh, and singer. So a very talented man. I know he's kind of drifting to the right these days, Eric. I'm just saying, I was a, as a reader of your column, you've left the Tribune, uh, and he's put up a, a very successful venture of doing it with a newsletter. Sort of a model for all of us. I give you a lot of credit for that one, Eric. Uh, but he's kind of drifting right. I don't know if it's getting old. That happens to us all. You know what they say? Uh, Eric Zorn, when you're young and you're a capitalist or a conservative, uh, you have no heart. If you're old and uh, you're a liberal, then you have no brain. That's something that I've been hearing my whole life. And here I am, Eric Zorn. I'm still a lefty. So anyway, uh, I've noticed Eric's been drifting to the right lately. And he sent me a, uh, an email uh, asking about why I decided uh, to uh, pull my show from the hideout. And when I comment on that, uh, and so I said, better, yeah. Well, there's an email exchange. I said, better, yeah. 
how about you come on the show next week and we debate the matter? Because I could tell from the tone of tenor of the email that he disagreed with the decision to abandon the hideout. So I sent him that email and then I made a mistake that, you know me, I'm not that good with this stuff, especially with emails on the phone. Uh, you know, I'm just no. not that good. So I sent him the email and then it didn't show that it was sent. So I sent him a second email. Yeah, that's, <laughs> probably weird. That's, I'm insane. that's weird. <laughs> it's weird. He's like, I'm Eric Zorn. I'm a master of social media. This is really weird. And then I sent him a third email oh, going, brother, uh, I, I got to know. Are you coming on? Creepy. I know. It's weird. Uh, so anyway, I got back just as you were uh, starting the show, uh, an email from Eric Zorn, hence the waiting for Eric. Sure. I'm in a rehearsal, so not monitoring email with my usual care. He's in a rehearsal. Hell that, yeah. I told you guys a rock star all That's of a awesome. sudden. That's awesome. <laughs> He's in a rehearsal. I didn't know you were in a rehearsal. Rehearsal, man. He's ding, ding, ding. He's playing that guitar. Ding. I guess it's for the Christmas show. He does an annual well, Christmas show. I don't show. know. You suggest he's going more right. Are you in a country music band, dude? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you didn't see this? Uh, he's lead guitar for Kid Rock right now. Oh. Yeah. He's got a new Kid Rock show. That would yeah. be sweet. <laughs> His favorite song is Sweet Home Alabama. That's the only Kid Rock song I know, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it man. sucked when Leonard Skinner did it. It was even worse. I think you'd like. How can you make a bad song worse, Kid Rock? I think you'd like Cowboy. I think you'd like that song by uh, Kid Rock. Yeah, I know that song. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> um. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm going to cut a deal with Eric. I'm going to have his agent meet with my agent. Uh, I'm hoping to get him on the show Tuesday. We'll discuss this, and we're also going to discuss Eric that uh, column you wrote. That really irritated the hell out of me. We might as well uh, deal with it, get it out there. Where uh, Darren Bailey, where you um, acquitted him of uh, using anti-Semitism in his campaign, and that really, uh, I, you know that you and your uh, the other one, Greg Hines, really irritated me uh, by with your acquittals of Darren Bailey. Uh, and it's gotten much worse, ladies and gentlemen, on that front, uh, thanks to uh, Kyrie Irving and yet. West. So uh, I'm really happy that Eric Zorn uh, has agreed to come on the show. And Eric, I'm just going to tell you this right now. I, I just got to say this up front. There are two people who do First Tuesdays, me and my partner in crime, Maya Dukmasova. So it was a joint decision. We both felt the same way. But I just want you to know that just to reach out to me and not Maya. You know, there were two people. So just going down the road in the future, always remember that, ladies and gentlemen, there are two people at First Tuesday, Ben Drowski and Maya Dukmasova. And this last show, this last particular show that we did, the one that we moved to the Nighthawk, uh, that was totally a Maya production. <laughs> a hawk in here? By the way, D, you would love the Nighthawk. Yeah, I mean, I went in there once. I used to live right by there. Yeah, I thought I took the picture outside your apartment when I walked yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, you would love that place, man. And uh, Howard, the owner, real cool guy, drummer. He's a oh, drummer. I don't right know if on. you knew that, D. Yeah, he was in uh, Def Leppard uh, for a while. <laughs> Just threw that out there. <laughs> See if you were paying attention. So anyway, it was a joint decision. I want everybody to know that uh, Maya and I, every decision made at first Tuesday is uh, Ben and Maya talking it out uh, before we make the decision. I feel very strongly about that decision. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to talking, uh, have a civil debate 
uh, with Eric Zorn uh, about the hideout, anti-Semitism, Darren Bailey. Uh, I hope we can do this on Tuesday, D, election day. Take my mind off the pending apocalypse. So anyway, uh, thank you, Eric, for getting back to me. And uh, I'm going to assume we can do this on Tuesday. All right, D, take it away, young man. All right. A pending apocalypse. Your words. We'll talk yes. about we'll talk about that in moments. Yes, my hey, words. People, Sorry, are you, Michael Moore. Are you ready to find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week? Well, I hope because that's really all we'll be doing for the next hour. We begin in the city, and it looks like President Joe Biden will be in Chicago tonight. Well, <laughs> sort of. The president will be attending a Sean Caston event that's happening this evening to help get the Democratic vote out in the 6th Congressional District. And while we have no exact details of the event, we have noticed a pattern about Joe Biden's trips to Chicago. And all signs point to this guy going straight to the suburbs as soon as he arrives. Ben, why does he hate us? Also in town, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, and he'll be attending an event right before Caston's event, all in support of Keith Pacow, the Orland Park mayor trying to unseat Caston in the 6th Congressional District. So I guess there's a couple of signs also pointing to that red wave everyone's talking about this election as well. All right. First of all, uh, I don't think any presidential uh, or any presidents come to Chicago anymore. Donnie didn't come to Chicago, if you recall that. Uh, he came. Remember, he was going to come to Chicago in 2016. Oh, yeah. He was going to have a rally. That, at that? that was nuts. It, yeah. And then he said, mm, eh, eh, maybe not. Uh, I did, I know they had a fundraiser for Donnie at Wrigley Field. Uh, I can't recall if he himself showed up for that. So uh, they don't like us anymore. D, what can you say? What can I say? Uh, you know, I guess if you're a Democrat, you think, well, I'm not going to get any vote. I mean, I. I'm already getting all the votes out of Chicago, so I don't need to, quote, unquote, waste my time here. And if you're a Republican, you figure, I, I'm not going to get any votes out of Chicago, so why waste my time here? Uh, so, yeah, they come, they land at O'Hare, and then zip right out to the suburbs. Uh, and they are contested races in the suburbs. Uh, and part of the reason uh, that I have this sense of gloom and doom is the fact that uh, Joe Biden feels compelled to come to a congressional district in Illinois uh, on the eve of the election to shore up support. You know, you would think, well, that's in the bag. We don't have to worry about that. He'll go somewhere like a swing district in Michigan. I know what you're going to say. I can read your mind. Yes, I can read your mind, D. Uh, you're going to say, Ben, these are also swing districts. You're going to point out, Ben, it was only in 2018 that a Republican held that seat. You're going to say, Ben, Sean Caston barely won that first time around. You're going to say, Ben, you know, this is by no means in the bag, even in the best of years. I'm going to go, my God, Dennis, you're absolutely brilliant. All, that was, my, of all that was in my script here. Vice President Kamala Harris will also be at a rally with Democrats on Sunday and an event for Pacific Islanders in Chicago. Seriously, why are you guys in blue ass Illinois with four days until the election? Well, she at least is coming to Chicago, right? Yeah, she's coming to Chicago. OK, so there the vice president's like us. President's a little too much. Now, but the curious thing will will Lori Lightfoot go to the airport to greet him. I just thought of this. You know, in the past, when a president would come in, it would be a big deal. Like, the mayor would come, and the, and the governor would come, if they were the same party, obviously. Well, Donald Trump never came there, so... <laughs> but there's no way they're going to greet Donald Trump. Hi, Donald. Um, so, it'll be interesting. You know, I, um, I think that... 
They're very concerned, obviously. And it's interesting that the they think that Joe Biden will be an asset. Um, and David Axelrod, your good friend, uh, put out a tweet the other day. I noticed this. I didn't actually see the tweet. I read an article about the tweet. Not on Twitter a lot, D. Uh, but David Axelrod, the political consultant, considered the brains uh, behind well, I don't know who he's. I think Obama's the brains behind Obama, but he was the strategist for Obama in 2008, the successful campaign. Uh, and he just said, and I'm quoting from memory, this is a paraphrase from uh, a practical, pragmatic standpoint, not sure it's a good idea to bring Joe Biden into a state. He's so unpopular. And I'm like, God dang, Democrats are hard on themselves. D- David Axelrod represents the centrist part of the Democratic Party. He and Rom. Tied at the hip on this one with Bill Clinton, their guru, the guy who taught him all this stuff. Okay. Joe Biden is part of that wing. Now you're turning on him. It's like, what? You're turning on Biden? You know, he's cut from your cloth. Democrats nominated him because they were following the advice of pragmatists and moderates and centrists like Axara, like Emmanuel, like Obama, like the Clintons. Don't go to Bernie. He's too dangerous. He's too lib- lefty. He's just for hippies and their addicts. Real people don't like him. <laughs> I'm just telling you what you guys said. And then you nominated Biden. Now you're throwing him under the bus. There's no. I tell you what, D, I don't know a Republican strategist in this country who would say, I don't think it's a good idea for Donnie Trump to go to a swing district. Because they would send Donnie Trump into a swing district in a heartbeat. Just rally up. He knows everybody hates him is going to vote against him, but he wants to fire up that base. So what you're saying is that Joe Biden doesn't represent the Democratic base. He doesn't fire up the Democratic base. Well, whose fault is that? You're the guys who told us to vote for him. Uh, We want you to vote for this guy that no one gets excited about and is not articulating anything you want. And then we want you to nominate him and stand by him no matter what he says. Fast forward two years. Nobody likes him, particularly in the Democrats. And they're like, he's like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, you're the one who told us. (laughs) At least stay consistent. Stay consistent. If your point of view in 2020 is that Joe Biden was exactly the kind of candidate you needed to win over Democrats in swing districts like Sean Caston's, then Say it today. See, that's the Dems, D. That's the Dems. They just blow with the wind. Which way is the wind going now? We're going to go that way. We're going to go this way. I think Clinton had a phrase where triangulate, which just meant talk out of two sides of your mouth. Fancy word for it. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed to see uh, the mainstream centrists in the Democratic Party running away from the guy they told all us lefties we have to vote for. I'm like, once again, the only people standing by the Democrat are the lefties who are always taken for granted by the Democrats. Hey, I bro. voted for Bernie Sanders twice. I voted. I cheered him on as he encouraged Democrats to literally do something for ordinary people that would give people compelling reason to vote Democrat. Nope. Can't do it. That'll scare people in Sean Caston's district. They need someone like Joe Biden. Guess what? Now they're telling us, uh, Joe, don't come to Sean Caston's district. Nobody likes you. 
Ah, uh, Jay, why couldn't I have been a Republican? More general election talk coming up later. Hey, it's time for a 2023 Chicago mayoral candidate update. A 2023 Chicago mayoral candidate update. <laughs> First off, here's an update. We had mayoral candidate Brandon Johnson on the program. It's yes, true. Yeah, it's true. Yes. Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson finally announced he is running for mayor. Ben had a Google meeting with the man, and we recorded it. It's available at chicagoreader.com and wherever you download podcasts. Ben, your thoughts on the conversation? Well, first of all, let me set it up a little bit. All right, so follow me. Last week, we were talking about Brandon Johnson's campaign, and I opined. I don't think he, Dennis goes, well, you're going to have him on the show. I go, I don't think he's coming on the show. Adam, you know, it's just kind of like when candidates start running for office, they kind of move away from lefties like me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll take a personal. I just kind of, you know, sort of like following Axelrod's advice, stay away from lefties. To my shock and amazement, when I woke up the next day at the bright and early hour of I don't know, 11 o'clock or whatever it was, I found uh, a text from one of Brandon Johnson's uh, campaign directors. I think it was his campaign manager, Ronnie. Shout out, Ronnie. He goes, you want him? You got him. Which told me two things, D. One, they listen to the show. Hey, Ronnie. You. Thank you. Thank you, Ronnie. And two, they're not running away. <laughs> so he came on the show, had a great conversation yesterday. Uh, Brandon and I have known each other for a long, long time. And uh, there was a point in the conversation, D. I don't know if you... Uh, remember this it was probably of no significance to anyone other than me and brandon where we started talking about the new city y and that's when i first met brandon he worked at the new city y which is a long gone uh, ymca that was at the corner of do this in my mind by a north and Clybourne. i love that y went there many times played basketball there my kids played basketball there i coached there uh and uh, the y and its infinite wisdom sold it uh, to a developer and it was torn down and now they have a shopping mall there, which I will never go to. It was one of my many boycotts, D. Taking a big stand. <laughs> Don't tell Eric Zorn he's going to get mad at me. That's ridiculous. Man, you're missing out. It is a pretty cool mall. <laughs> have you ever seen, ever been there? Yeah, I went to the Dick Sporting Goods I, there. You know what? It's funny you should say that. Oh my God, D. The other day I was going by the mall and I saw the sign Dick Sporting Goods by my daughter, DeMar DeRozan, Jersey. She loves DeMar DeRozan. All right. And I know they sell them there. Cause how do I know that? Good question, D. Cause I was walking to the Bulls game the other day and I saw this kid with a great DeMar DeRozan jersey. And I asked his dad, didn't ask the kid, hey, where'd you get that DeMar DeRozan jersey? He goes, I got it at Dick's. You're like, what'd you so call I'm me? <laughs> I knew you would go there. I knew you would go there. So I got it at Dick's, he said. And I go, I gotta go to Dick's. And I didn't know where Dick's was. Man, this, and so there I was driving on the road, down the street in Clyburn. I saw Dick's. It was in the shopping mall. What do I do, D? I was like, what would Eric Zorn do at this moment? Would I continue my boycott, which has absolutely no impact on anything? Or would I just give in and go there? Nope. I kept the boycott, D. I go, there's got to be another Dick somewhere in Chicago. In fact, there's a lot of Dick's in the city council. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. That was great. Show's over. We're done. That's it. We're out of here. See you later, everybody. Remember, download Ben Jarofsky episodes wherever you download podcasts. That was great. What can I say, man? What can I say? Yeah. So uh, I'll just find another Dix and get that DeMar DeRozan. I'm going to get that jersey. It's a cool jersey. Have you seen it, D? No. DeMar DeRozan. Oh, it's awesome. There's a lot of jerseys. I love DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> And uh, but I just can't go to that Dix because I'm boycotting that 
shopping mall. And uh, which, by the way, D, I don't know if you saw, did you see the Candyman 2? I know you saw Candyman 1. Have you seen Candyman 2? No. But Candyman 2 is pretty good. It's not as good as Candyman 1, in my humble opinion, but not as scary, I should say. Candyman 1 was really scary. But Candyman 2, I've seen it twice. All right, Brandon Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> oh, my God. That was like a half hour on Candyman. Was on, he, he knows me. He was around, just around the corner. I was really ready to go there. I miss, uh, just really quick, I miss Sergio Mims so much because we could do a show on Candyman. The three, the two Candymen, we could do a show. He preferred the first Candyman to the second Candyman, but he liked the second Candyman. Anyway, so um, I met Brandon at the New City Y when he worked there way, way, way long ago when he was a much younger man. And uh, and I was, you know, like a, not an old guy. Uh, so got a lot of love for Brandon Johnson. And I'm watching him turn into a uh, a candidate. You know, it's interesting. You know what I'm saying, D? It's like this isn't our first word. How to speak in ways. You know, it's just you gotta you gotta speak a certain style. You know, you gotta present yourself to the public. You can't be this goofy guy in the attic overlooking the porta potty, which is not there anymore. So I uh, wish him the best. And. Um, what can I say, D? I, I told him when, when it was over, I go, come back in December. Let's continue the conversation. Uh, and I also, by the way, Chewy Garcia, if you ever drop, come in, uh, actually formally get in the race, Clem Ballinoff is on the show Wednesday, correct, D? Yeah, Wednesday, uh, who says he swears to God uh, that Chewy's running. Let's get Chewy on. Uh, and um, we've had Cam Buckner on. So, you know, I love talking to these guys running for mayor. Um but you're right. But you're right, see. though. You know, they present themselves very well, very professional. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they're not going to come on here and throw like a, you know, okay, call this mayor a piece of you know what, and let's get this party going. But they're not doing no, that. No, it's not they're not style. doing they're, that. They're sticking to a script, by and large, or, or sticking to certain parameters. Uh, he had a great answer when it came to crime, I thought. I'm not sure it'll get him any votes, but he took the long view on crime. I urge everybody to check it out if you haven't heard it already. Uh, and he did a correlation between people getting arrested right now uh, for carjacking uh, and people and crimes like that uh, and schools getting closed 10 years ago. And it's like, um, oh, my goodness, only I would draw this analogy. Uh, it's like that old Elvis Presley song, The Ghetto. I don't know if you ever heard that song, D. Great. The ghetto. Yes. Great song. Great song by Elvis. I, it's it's a great protest song. Whatever I hear, I'm like, yeah, Elvis. He didn't write it, by the way. I don't think he wrote any of his songs. For 10 trivia points, who wrote the song? James Brown. No. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know who wrote it. Oh. I think I want to say Mac Davis. Great job, sure. Regis. You don't even know the answer. <laughs> you can't give a quiz question and I know the answer. Well, I was kind of hoping you would know. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was Mac Davis. But anyway, the whole point of the show is that um, – Society creates the uh, the climate that leaves people leads people L E A D leads people toward a life of crime and violence. Elvis said that in nineteen what was it sixty eight sixty nine and it's still true today. And Brandon was pointing that out, like the decisions made ten years ago to close schools, close mental health clinics, cut off services to poor communities. Hey, guess what? Now we have crime. A whole new generation. 
So I don't hear many politicians talking that way. And I welcomed him talking that way. We'll see, you know, what happens when Lori Lightfoot starts throwing those yeah. elbows, that tough on crime elbows. That's what she does these days. She's tough on crime. Somehow or other, that criminal defense, that criminal justice reformer has become mayor elbows. Right. Like I say, yeah. we've seen like she's been taking some practice swings here at old Vallis. Poor guy. And, you know, so I think, you know, maybe she sees a CTU person getting in here. She's like, oh, yeah, watch this commercial. I don't feel sorry for Paul Vallis. OK, I covered Paul Vallis <laughs> years as the guy who ran the public. Don't feel sorry for Paul Vallis at all. Sorry, D. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel sorry for, you know, did you notice I, I always bring up Arnie Duncan? I kind of feel sorry for Arnie Duncan. He like doing the right thing, as I pointed out. He did the right thing. He'd like ask people to reconsider the whole notion of how we go about policing. Lori Lightfoot threw some elbows at him, basically called him a hippie. And yeah. that was, he's disappeared. We haven't heard from him since. Oh, like, ran, All right? like ran away. And so I gave him some credit in the interview with Brandon. And did you see Brandon's respond? Well, you know, the other guys thought of that too. Okay, he's still some love for Arnie Duncan for crying. It won't kill you. All right. So, yes, Brandon Johnson is yes. in the mayoral race. He was on the program. You can download that interview, chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. But, hey, move over, Brandon Johnson, because we have a new concerned citizen jumping into the mayor's race oh this God. week. According to Illinois Politico, Chicago real estate developer John Thomas is running and he's out gathering signatures to run for mayor. Thomas, who also went by the name Bernard Barton for some reason, wore a wire in the FBI probe that helped convict one Tony Resco, a fundraiser for former Governor Rod Blagojevich. Thomas later served time for charges that he stole public funds in a South Suburban development project. That's not good. He now runs a commercial <laughs> real estate company. Here's the quote from Thomas or Barton. Quote, I love living in Chicago. I love the people and the community. I have, unfortunately, met too many of the politicians here. Although I have a criminal past, I paid my debt to society. I want my wife and children to be proud of what their husband and father will have accomplished, even if it's later in life. Ben, why do I think this guy has a shot for some reason? Because <laughs> you're insane. Uh, that's why. That's the answer. I didn't read the full quote. I love Chicago. I love Chicago people. The quote oh. went on to say, I love the nightlife. I love to boogie on the disco floor. That's the full quote, okay? I love the net. Hey, I love, love that song, D. Every time I hear that song, up goes the radio, all right? Can't remember who sang it, though. Who sang it? I love the nightlife. I love to boogie. I'll be on it. You go ahead and talk about all the right. stuff. Oh, I, oh I there we go. About. You'll be like the guy in Joe Rogan. What's his name? His name's Jamie. Jamie. Jamie, could you look that up? I'm Dennis. Anyway, uh, so... A little bit of uh, breaking the fourth wall. Dennis told me he was going to do this story, and I had missed it. Alicia Bridges. Oh, God. Alicia Bridges, you can sing. That's a great song. Love that song. Thank you for looking it up, D. Um, so, yeah. So, I didn't know about this. So, I go, uh, Dennis, was that in Shia's Capos? Shia Capos. It's like, that's our script. Uh, and uh, he goes, yeah. So, I'm looking it up. because It's not in there today. Turns out it was three days ago. I missed that count. Anyway, uh, I don't think he's going to win. Uh, I doubt very much he's going to make the ballot. You need 12,500 good signatures to make the ballot. D. That's no joke. But your question does bring to mind a certain candidate who was victorious, who was every bit as obscure 
maybe even more obscure uh, than John Thomas at the outset of the campaign. And I instantly was triggered. It's weird the way my mind works. Uh, his name was Scott Lee Cohen. I don't know if any listeners out there remember Scott. D, you were probably still in Alton in 2010. The 2010 gubernatorial cycle, there was a primary. Uh, and uh, Pat Quinn, good friend of the show, uh, was running. He, remember, he had, uh, Blagojevich had uh, stepped down. Step down. He'd been. Uh, yeah, that's a way impeached. of saying it. <laughs> it's just that's a euphemistic way of putting it. Uh, he had left office on corruption charges, and so Paul um, and so uh, Pat Quint stepped in for him. Uh, and in the in those days, the governor did not have a running mate. Did not run with the lieutenant governor. So there were separate elections. Governor candidates for governor were running. Candidates for lieutenant governor were running. And Scott Lee Cohen was victorious. Uh, in the 2010 primary, uh, and it blew everyone's mind. He was a, a pawnbroker, a uh, very uh, wealthy family. Uh, he had spent a lot of money on the campaign, talking about promising people jobs. He was going to deliver jobs, and it worked. He got a lot of votes. Now, I did not vote for him, okay? I did not vote for him, I must confess. But I understand the allure. I mean, he was you, going back to what I said about Bernie Sanders. Literally giving people a reason to vote, a very specific reason to vote for you. He got a lot of votes and he was victorious. And suddenly the Democratic Party goes, oh, my God, because the story got worse and worse. D. I, like he had like all of a sudden there were these it, it emerged that he there's charges of like allegedly assaulting his girlfriend who was a prostitute or an ex-prostitute, and then he goes, I, I, he said, I didn't know she was a prostitute. I thought she was a massage therapist. I mean, we just got more and more. Every day it seemed like there was another revelation that indicated the Democrats were in trouble with this guy as a lieutenant governor, and Pat Quinn didn't want anything to do with him. He didn't run with him. Uh, and so ultimately he dropped out of the race, Scott Lee Cohen. He dropped out. He said, uh, I don't know. Who knows? Madigan got on the phone with him. I don't know why. He dropped out of the race. And I'm pretty sure he ended up running. Look this up. Uh, don't look it up. It's not worth. I think he ran as an independent against Quinn uh, in the election. Quinn went on to win. He got somebody else to be his lieutenant governor. Sheila Simon, I want to say. Anyway, neither here nor there. The point is, it is possible. It is possible for someone to come out of completely nowhere and win uh, an election. And in this case, to be elected mayor of the city of Chicago, I will say this again and again, you just have to make the runoff. I think it's highly improbable that he could win a one-on-one -on -one race against anybody. But could he make the runoff? Could he get enough, like, protest votes, irony votes, people saying, oh, I want to vote for the guy who wore the wire. You know what I'm saying? Like, just to... to just to show their contempt for the entire system. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, this is ironic. <laughs> well, you know, we talk about how some of the candidates are a little too nice. Like, oh, you're too nice to be mayor. No one wants a nice mayor. I mean, we got Warrell Wire and uh, let's see, stealing from public funds. Boy, this guy fits right in the city. Let's get him in. He might <laughs> well, have a shot. Too. He fits right the in. Wire part, the wire part is not big in Chicago. You know this. People in Chicago, they have more contempt for someone who wears the wire that exposes the corruption than they have for the person whose corruption is exposed. We saw that with Danny Solis. Remember when a story came out that Danny, Alderman Danny Solis was wearing a wire uh, collecting incriminating information about uh, Alderman Ed Burke? And they asked the Alderman what they thought about They go, what a rat! <laughs> Wait, what about Burke? Steal Ugh, who cares about that? What a rat! 
I'm like, wait, he's kind of a hero. Don't you say, you know, I mean, you can make the argument. He's a hero. He probably did more than anybody else to rid Chicago of Ed Burke. He kind of make that point. You know, like I said, he may make the runoff, but that wire thing is not going to help him one-on-one. He wore a wire, wire, wire. I'm outraged. <laughs> Chicago, and you're weird. I'm just going to say it. You go always like, oh, I hate corruption. So someone does something about corruption by wearing a wire, and you get mad at them. I, I, Chicagoans, you make no sense. You know you're illogical. You know that, don't you, Chicago? Okay? Just want to tell you that you are illogical. Take I'm saying, has Brandon Johnson ever worn a wire? I don't know. You know what I mean? All right. Wore a nice tie. I've seen him wear a tie, but never a wire. And, and finally, mayoral candidate and activist J. Maul Green got some surprising support this week. Green has been endorsed by actress Susan Sarandon and comedian Mike Epps in his bid to lead City Hall. Sarandon's from New York and Epps is from Indiana. Why do these endorsements matter? Well, celebrity endorsements, I did not know this. Mm-hmm. This is late breaking news. I did not know he got those endorsements. Yeah. Uh, they say celebrity endorsements help, D, just because they raise your profile. Maybe if they kick in a little, you know, contributions, that really help, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, sometimes they don't help. We were just having this conversation with Troy LaRabier the other day, which was an excellent, excellent show. I urge everybody to check that show out. That was Tuesday, correct, D? I'm getting all my days mixed yes. up. Yes, that was Tuesday. Uh, and we, when we were talking about EA. Kanye West, the artist for me known as Kanye West. Uh, and uh, it's always fun talking uh, to Troy uh, about hip-hop music, something I know nothing about. He knows a lot about. Oh, you're clueless. I know, I'm so clueless. But I'm into the personalities. I just don't know anything about the music. Uh, but um, uh, he was pointing out, uh, Troy was, that uh, he, Troy, when he had a brief run for mayor, very brief before he dropped out because he couldn't raise enough money in 2018 to run in 2019, uh, that Kanye uh, reached out to him uh, to support him and that he, Troy, said, I want nothing to do with him because he put the MAGA hat on and met with Trump. And he just, I could not have good conscience take his money. So sometimes, D, the celebrity endorsement mm, doesn't work. Uh, and as you recall, Kanye eventually uh, teamed up with Chance to support Amara Enya. Remember that, D? And that his greatest contribution, in my humble opinion, Kanye, he was Kanye West in those days, was to show up at a brief rally. And it was like an impromptu rally uh, that Amara Enya held with Chance the Rapper and Kanye West. It was somewhere, I forget where it was. Uh, and uh, he showed up. He stayed very shortly. He didn't make any comment. He just showed up. His car drove up after the rally had begun. It was so classic celebrity. It's like, here comes the celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Walks out. The rally's going on. Everybody's like, oh, my God. It's Kanye. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's Kanye. And then he stayed very briefly. Okay? I remember. And then he said, he said to Chance, and this is the quote that was, I love. He goes, got to bounce. I said got a bounce for about four years. I'm still saying got got a bounce. <laughs> Whenever I'm somewhere, you go, got a bounce. It doesn't have the same impact when I say, you know, I'm at the bowling alley, got a bounce. Nobody cares. Bounce. What are you talking about? I hope that check didn't bounce. So <laughs> got a bounce. <laughs> that was his greatest contribution to Chicago politics. Got a bounce. I'm like, oh man, you know, I wish I were that cool to be able to say. Got to bounce. Can you imagine if I ended the inter- interview yesterday with Brandon Please Johnson? Please don't do that. 
Brandon, I love talking to you, but got about Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I just picture, like, J-Mall Green, like, talking to someone about their endorsements, and this person's like, oh, yeah, I got this local baker in Chicago. I got this plumber. We got this local union. Who do you got? And, and J-Mall Green's like, you ever see next Friday? I was going to say next Friday. Uh, I, you stole. Oh, my God. All right. So next Friday. He wasn't in the original Friday, my no, guess. No, but he Chris was, Tucker. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tucker, who, let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> killed it in uh, the original Friday. Let's be honest. Without a doubt. What do you think of J-Mall's Green's chances of winning, becoming mayor, Ben? Real quick. <sighs> I don't think it's going to happen. You know, he had a hard time in 2019 getting the 12,500 signatures and he needed made the ballot. And if you recall, he almost got into a fist fight with Ricky Hendon over yeah. that. Uh, so I don't see a lot has changed. Uh, and he's running from the left. So Brandon's already kind of preempted that lane. And you got Cam Buckner in that lane. And, you know, so, uh, and oh my God, Chewy Garcia gets in the race. You know, so I. I don't think he has a good chance. I think he, uh, I think he has a better chance uh, than John Thomas, the aforementioned uh, wireware, because uh -huh. I don't believe John Thomas twelve thousand five hundred signatures, and I think there's a chance uh, that Jamal Green could do that. All right, up next, more twists, more turns, more heartbreak. It's another episode of everyone's favorite Chicago daily political soap opera. <laughs> a mayor and her alderman. <laughs> Today's episode, another new alderman? Say it ain't so, George. Alderman George Cardenas resigned from the Chicago City Council Tuesday, adding McKinley Park to the list of neighborhoods that will elect a new alderperson in 2023. Unopposed to next Tuesday's general election, Cardenas will win his bid to represent the first district on the Cook County Board of Review which hears appeals of property tax assessments made by Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. Cardenas, who was Mayor Lightfoot's deputy floor leader, will leave the city council after 20 years in office representing McKinley Park, as well as parts of Little Village and Brighton Park. Although Cardenas will not take his seat on the board of review until January, he said his resignation will take effect November 30th, giving Lightfoot a chance to conduct a thorough search for his replacement. Here's the quote from Cardenas, quote, I have had the privilege of working to uplift the communities of the 12th Ward, and I am proud of the legacy this work leaves behind. With Cardenas out, that means Mayor Lightfoot gets to appoint yet another replacement. This will be her fourth, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But first, let's speculate, huh? That's fun. <laughs> ben, why is Cardenas really stepping down to what sounds like the most boring work I could ever imagine? You got Cook County Board of Review, property tax assessments, and Fritz Kage. I need a nap just thinking about it. <laughs> By the way, don't uh, say anything bad about Fritz Kage. He showed up at the, uh, the hideout. Old habits are hard to break. He showed up at Nighthawk the oh, other man. first Tuesday. Sorry. So Kage. say something nice about him, okay? <laughs> All right. Sorry, he was there. Sorry. You're great, Kage. Uh And by the way, he's a proud Bronco, graduated from Kenwood High School. So he's very proud of that. Uh, and Brandon Johnson, there's a connection. The whole world comes together. Brandon Johnson's son is a Bronco. Fritz Kage's a Bronco. Brandon Johnson's son is a Bronco. The whole world is coming together, D. Uh, why? It's considered a promotion, and I think it is. Follow me on this, D. When you're the alderman, anything happens in your ward, someone calls you and they're mad. No matter what you do, someone's going to be mad. Nobody has ever even heard of the border review. If I did a show about the border review, I would have to spend five minutes explaining the border review, and only like 10 people would know what it is, and they're all property tax lawyers. Uh, 
So it's a cushy job, probably pays more. No one bugs you. I mean, he could just put his feet on his desk and watch Thelma and Louise all day. You know, he's probably a huge Brad Pitt fan. So <laughs> I don't know if he's a Brad Pitt fan. So that's why. You, have you ever seen how many aldermen want to get out of the city council? It's hard work being in the city council. I could argue that being an alderman is the hardest political job in the city with the least reward. I mean, and when you're the mayor, that's a hard job. But everybody's always asking you questions. They go, oh, the mayor, the mayor, the mayor. You got a limo driving you everywhere, bodyguards, all right? You're the mayor. And uh, aldermen, it's like you just get nothing but abuse. So that's the, the answer to your question. Ah, it's a cushy job, kick back, smoke a doobie. That life is good. All right. I don't know if he smokes doobie. That's just a <laughs> metaphorical thing. Okay. Uh, and um, no, the thing about this story, is there any more to this story, D? Because I'm about to go on. Uh, Lightfoot's pick will serve up go. until the end of Cardinals' term in May and there could have go. a leg up if they run to permanently replace Cardinals. Okay, I've addressed this before, so I'm going to come back to this right now. The subterranean message of that sentence, Chicago, is you're stupid. That's the subterranean message. And don't blame me. You always blame the messenger. Every millennial comes on this show, tells me I'm always shaming voters. Right, D? They always say that about me. Don't shame the voters. I'm just telling you, the subterranean message in that sentence is that somebody appointed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who will serve this somebody, what, one month? One month? Is Dennis still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're screaming with Dad. You can cut this off if you want. But somebody who serves one month will have a huge advantage over anybody else running in that race. And you know what they're saying to you? They're saying, you're so dumb, Chicagoans. You're so clueless that you'll just routinely vote for whoever the alderman is, even if that alderman has only served one month. And even if that alderman has never been elected by you, the people. And even if that alderman is appointed by the mayor, meaning that she or he will probably be a rubber stamp. You are so dumb. You're just going to vote for that person. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. saying. Not us. Not us. I'm not saying it. I didn't say it. That's that's what that's what everybody that's what that whoever wrote that sentence is saying. At least keep listening to the show. <laughs> I don't think you're dumb. I think that's what they're saying. It's like the cousin to that comment, which I talked about the last time I did this. This is my favorite. Somebody brags that he or she got the top position in a primary. Oh, this will come up in, in the mayor's race. Let's say 10 people are in the ballot, and then they were drawing. Who gets the number one position? And then when that drawing is done, whoever gets the number one and whoever gets the last one will be considered favorites, and you will hear the pundits. Well, Lori Lightfoot won the all-important lottery for first place on the ballot, giving her a leg up in the coming crowded field. You know what they're saying? You're a freaking idiot. They're saying, you go into the voting booth, you see the first name, go, I'm busy, I got to go somewhere, and you click it. No matter who it is. It could be Dr. D. Hey, I'd be good. <laughs> I don't think you get those 12,500 D. Sorry. Don't think. Especially now that you're a dad. You know, I could go out. 
Too busy changing diapers. I don't know. I think you're uh, underselling the uh, popularity of a mayor and or alderman. That's true. People just volunteer. Oh, I love him. The D stands for diapers, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's uh, an insult to Chicagoans. Uh, I think it's absurd that they fill his vacancy. I guess if, if he's elected uh, on Tuesday, uh, he's sworn in, he has to step down. You know, there's no need to fill the vacancy to give someone that advantage. Got you guys, there's two months to the next election. It's not like some pressing thing is going to happen that you absolutely need an alderman there. Sorry. And by the way, even so, even if he wins Tuesday's election, he could still serve until he's sworn in, whenever that is. Cardinals. So the whole thing's a joke. It's just a chance to give uh, Curry favor with Lori Lightfoot. Give her the opportunity to appoint a rubber stamp. Uh, I don't know. No, the appointment will come after the budget, so I guess the rubber stamp won't... um, get to vote in the budget but it's chicago politics ladies and gentlemen and their attitude about you the voter is that you are really dumb that's their attitude towards you folks i'm just saying that's their attitude all right so add cardenas to the list of aldermen who are looking to either step down uh resign retire uh being a shady weirdo getting booted out uh a lot of aldermen or there's gonna be a lot of new aldermen coming very soon um I guess my question about all of that would be, do they kind of see the writing on the wall that Lori Lightfoot's winning? I don't know. But before I answer that question, let's just tell me one thing that just popped in my mind. Let me just tell you this. I love the nightlife. I love to boogie. You too? On the disc. <laughs> oh, that song. Uh, I love, sorry. I just can't get it out of my mind now. Uh, I no, I don't think there's a correlation. Like, you know what I mean? Artists. Like if if the the elephant in the room is like a lot of these people are stepping down because they just can't really work with Lori Lightfoot. So do they see the writing on the wall? Like, ah, oh, this lady's getting reelected. I'm out of here. No, I, I actually, you and I have always kind of disagreed on that one. I, I feel like aldermen are stepping out because um, in many cases they've served for a long time. It's a hard job, as I, I already mentioned. There's little reward for it. Uh, no matter what you do, someone's going to get mad at you. Uh, they probably have their pensions already sewn up, so they're good to go for <laughs> the rest of their life. And all Why of them do the job, and anymore? all of them at the same time. Just realize this right now, while Mayor Lightfoot is the mayor. I mean, all of it just at this time right now. This is you know, there've been other times when a lot of aldermen have stepped down. Uh, I don't know if it's the same uh, number. And by the way, three of them are stepping down to run against her. All right, is it four? Raylo. And by the way, when it's all said and done, I don't know if they're going to run for, they may run for re-election, but Raylo is, ste- is quote unquote, stepping down to run for mayor. Yeah. Tommy Tunney is stepping down to run for mayor. Sophia King is stepping down to run for mayor. And Rod Sawyer is stepping down to run for mayor. Uh, that's four. I count one, two, three, four. Damn, oh my God. Hey, damn best. Can you do that? And um, so I don't know, maybe some of those We'll pull a fast one, D, and they're collecting two sets of petitions, one to run for mayor, one to run for alderman. And they ultimately decide, I'd rather run for alderman because I can't win. Maybe Raylo's going to go down that path. I don't know. Um, so, I, you know, I don't – I know that's what Rod Sawyer would say. Uh, he agrees with you on this one, Alderman Rod Sawyer, that uh, Lori Lightfoot is just a horrific person to deal with. Who? Somebody just said that today. <laughs> oh, Brian Hopkins. Did you see the quotes in the paper? And that's, I sent you the article. You probably didn't have a chance to read it. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, my God. Did he rip Lori? <laughs> Second word, Alderman Brian Hopkins. Rip Lori Lightfoot. So they're kind uh, of proving my point. 
No, I'm, I'm not saying your point is without any merit whatsoever. Okay. It's, it's like, it has some merit. I'm just saying, I'm not sure I sign on to it. I mean, it's not like saying it's has, it's pointless. I'm just saying, look, I'm stroking my non-existent beer. All right. Let's move on to the state of (laughs) Illinois. Can you feel it in the air? (laughs) Election Day is coming this Tuesday. Yes. Of course, we're going to unpack the latest in our Illinois governor's race. But before we do that, Ben, are there any other key races happening in this election that you're keeping an eye on? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm obsessed with the Supreme Court race. There's two of them. Uh, And the the one I'm really obsessed with is Elizabeth Rochford versus Mark Kern, uh, third district, Lake County. We've talked about it. We've had many guests on. If the citizens of Lake County uh, elect a lunatic like Mark Kern, we're in trouble. That's all I got to say. These are 10 year terms. Uh, the Supremes, if the MAGA takes control of the Supreme Court. Goodbye unions in the state of Illinois. Goodbye abortion rights and goodbye environmental protection. And that's pretty much uh, how I view it. So, yes, I am watching a bet. That's what we discussed. Can I do a little promotion here, D? Can I do a little promotion? Um, We, uh, at the uh, first Tuesday show at Nighthawk, uh, we had a conversation about this, the importance of the Supreme Court races, and that will drop tomorrow a little shout out to dj nate did an outstanding job showing up at the bar with his recording device outstanding work so uh yes i'm watching those supreme court races very carefully how about the latest in the illinois gubernatorial election it's time for a 2022 illinois gubernatorial candidate update while being in chicago i've picked up on some of the lingo and one of the (laughs) words that i've found that was used many years ago is the word chumbalone This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Just days away from the Illinois gubernatorial election, and things are still heating up. The last we checked, our incumbent Democrat governor, he was up in the polls. Face coverings. (laughs) But not by much. 50% to Republican challenger Darren Bailey's 41, I believe it was. And with a few days left until Election Day, the Pritzker campaign wanted to compare their opponent to Donald Trump just one last time, if they could. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Illinois Politico and Shia Kapos for her hard work, as always. In a letter obtained by Playbook, Pritzker campaign manager Mike Allen wrote Darren Bailey campaign manager Jose Durbin directly, saying the JB for Governor campaign and each and every one of our staff members commits to accepting the results of the election, win or lose, because we trust and respect Illinois voters. We call upon your campaign and Senator Bailey himself to publicly commit to doing the same. Pritzker's team wants to avoid anything that mirrors the 2020 presidential election. The letter says election denialism is a dark plague that threatens the very foundation of our democracy. In this time of unparalleled division, it is important we as campaign leaders, along with our candidates, promise to respect Illinoisans' wishes. The Darren Bailey campaign did respond. Will he accept or won't he accept the results? Quote, Darren's been clear he will accept the outcome of the election. 
So there you go. He accepts. The letter goes on. JB hasn't been clear about how he will fix the Safety Act. Oh, good Lord. And made life unaffordable for working families. That's why we will win. The real question is, will JB pledge not to remove the toilets from the governor's mansion <laughs> once he loses? I gotta uh, give him credit for that one. It was That's a reference to the property tax appeal brouhaha in which Pritzker had five toilets removed from a second home. Uh, so much to unpack with that one. First of all, the last thing. I, I, she, I feel for you. Like someone makes a joke about the toilets. It's a reference to something that went down before. And I've talked about this with you all the time. The you're just, it's like granted in your brain when you're a reporter, you always have to explain everything. You know what I mean? You can't just let that drop. If it was a story about a rap battle and it was like a hip hop uh, journalist writing about it, he would feel no, he would not feel compelled in any way to explain something that he knew all of his listeners understood. He would not worry about the old geezer who stumbled upon that article. But when you're a political reporter, you have to absolutely explain everything. And I know this because I've been dealing with editors forever. I would say to them, I've written about this topic 50 billion times. Why do I have to put another explanation of what a tiff is in the story? And the editor explained there could be one person in the state of Illinois reading it for the first time. So into the article goes the explanation of tiffs. And then people will make fun of me. Ben, how many times you can explain tiffs? Oh, God, where was I? Oh. So uh, my, I, I feel for you. She have a new explain toilet gate. We had a, we had a field day with that one, didn't we? D back in the old days, man, we had fun with that one. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, and I'm going to say this. Uh, this is something else. I, this is on my mind. Uh, you triggered this. This is on my mind. Okay, oh, it's on my food. mind. All right. Uh, and uh, so that Darren Bailey quote, which you've played a few times, I love it. Uh, the, the word he learned is Chumbalone. Mm -hmm. That's a word that the only guy in Chicago uses is John Cass. He doesn't even live in Chicago anymore, former Tribune Commons. I live in Indiana. So if you said, I've discovered a word that they say in Chicago, and what you should say is, Darren, I discovered a word that they say in Indiana, because that's who invented it, John Cass, the far right yeah. uh wing uh, columnist for the Tribune, used to work for the Tribune, now he has his own newsletter, much like Eric Zorn. They built their own mini empires, D. We can learn from that, all right? Start working on that, all right? And uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, I got a day job, man. Um, so this is, I want to say this to Johnny Cass. I'm going to throw something out there for Johnny Cass. So today's Tribune, D. Do I have a copy of it? Oh, yeah, here it is. There was an article in today's Tribune, uh, today being Friday, November 4th, if you're listening to this a year from now, about uh, questions arise over Proft role with Bailey. And that uh, Proft would be uh, Danny Proft, uh, who's the brains behind everything the Republicans say these days, everything MAGA says. That's clearly, he's the brains. Uh, Richard Uline pays him the, is the money, and Proft's the brains. Uh, they pretty much read from the script uh, that he writes. So there's a story about how Proft is probably more connected to the DB, uh, Darren Bailey campaign, than anybody wants to know. But uh, it's, if you turned to the page, uh, page seven, if you're continuing to read the story, here it is, page seven. Um, and uh, here we go. There's a picture. Oh, this is online, not in the paper. There was a picture of a uh, Proft uh, with a Chicago Tribune columnist, it says. And you know what, D? That columnist was John Cass. I'm like, I feel, John, you've been canceled by the Tribune. <laughs> They've canceled you. They've risen, erased you from your existence. 30 years, I think it was. You were page two, face of the Tribune. Now it's like you don't even exist. 
you could imagine that that the guy, the columnist, is Cass. You could just say that, okay? He, just, he did he did work there. He worked there for thirty years. So, what okay. do you think of this little slick move here from Pritzker? So, here is my question to you. Thank you for reminding me of that I forgot where we were going with this. Okay, so Shia Kappos wrote that Politico obtained this letter. I don't know. You, that, I was just hearing it for the first time. Somehow, I must that story too. Sorry, Shia. So, Politico obtained. Pretend trivia. No, it's not. I can't even make it a trivia question because I don't know the answer. In your humble opinion, young Dennis, do you think Politico obtained that letter from the Bailey campaign or the Pritzker campaign? Pritzker campaign. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, I'm there. Oh, I'm just thinking it over. You I'm reviewing it in my mind. I thought you froze. Yeah. No, I haven't froze. My brain froze as I thought about what you said. My brain froze on what you said. I don't know. You know, the DB campaign had such a great response with the plumbing line. When At first I thought, oh, they got it for Pritzker. But then when he came back with that great comeback about the plumbing line, which he Capos felt compelled to explain to <laughs> readers, which I, by the way, don't think you had to do that, Shia. I think everyone who reads your column knows what that reference was to. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I stick with Pritzker. Uh, yeah. So to me, credit to, to me, it DB seems like I'm coming up with a clever rhyme. Yeah. Line. To me, it seems like uh, the Pritzker campaign just go one more time. Hey, this guy's Trump. Remember that thing he said he no, denied you, the yeah. election. And what they're yes, absolutely. What they're really doing is trying to put him in a position where he has to either alienate uh, MAGA supporters who want him to question the election. Uh, or alienate swing voters presume, who presumably would be offended by him questioning. I'm starting to think that those swing voters do not exist, D. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. think most people, what Trump has successfully done in this country is just move the country closer to him. So now what was unacceptable behavior uh, is now acceptable behavior. And Democrats, once again, are like three steps behind and pretending like they have to play by sir. So what if Pritzker said, no, if I lose, I'm going to pull a Donnie. I'm just not going to accept it. I'm going to say they stole it. You know, I mean, I don't know. That that seems to where the Republicans are. Yeah, Democrats usually follow Republicans. Republicans continually move the conversation on, to the right. Why don't Democrats go there? Well, I heard Putin was thinking about planning a trip to Illinois. So, <laughs> I mean, that could be possible. We end with some dark news this week. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys. Uh, no one was hurt, though, so I guess that's good. Uh, Darren Bailey actually received a death threat a few days ago, prompting charges and an arrest on Wednesday. The suspect, prosecutors say Scott Lennox, was so angered by a political ad on TV that he left a voicemail on Bailey's office line threatening Bailey and his family's life. If you want the details, it's online. Go find it yourself. Lennox, 21 years old, who lives in Chicago, is charged with one felony count each of threatening a public official, telephone harassment, and harassment by electronic communications. Should he post $75,000 in bail, he would be on electronic monitoring and barred uh, from contacting Bailey or his family or staff. Governor Pritzker condemned the threat, saying the violent rhetoric and division we're seeing across our country is unacceptable. Hatred in any form has no home in Illinois. But in responding to Pritzker, Bailey called out the governor, saying he blames Pritzker and the rhetoric and uh, divisiveness of his ads, saying it was a vulgar, disturbing threat. It is vulgar. It is disturbing. And... uh... 
man, this just follows up perfectly with what I was talking about before, the different rules that govern the game in politics right now, the difference between a Democrat and a Republican, for better or for worse. So uh, this idiot, I don't know if he was drunk or whatever. Didn't they say he was at a bar when he did it? That's sort of my memory of it. Uh, Makes this hideous phone call, uh, and he should be prosecuted because it's a scary time in politics today. Lots of threats out there, lots of violence out there, lots of hatred out there. You know, you got Nazis putting signs on bridges. Honk if you agree with Kanye West on Jews. It's a scary time out there. Really frightening time. And you think that there would be some things that all our mainstream politicians would agree on. You know what I'm saying, D? Like, this is kind of where Obama was heading the other day. Like, civility. I don't know if you saw that bit where he was interrupted during a a rally for Democrats. So you're going to have a rally. And at your rally, you're going to blast Republicans. That's what you do. And Republicans, when they have their rally, they're going to blast Democrats because that's what you do. Now, someone feels compelled to interrupt and disrupt. That's become more and more common. I personally don't like it. I've never liked interrupting people. The, you know, I, even when my beloved lefties do it, I'm not comfortable with it. That's just where I'm coming from on this. So it's gone beyond that. Now that happens all the time, uh, but it's gone beyond that with threats, with uh, internet memes, with uh, ugly, hideous emails. So I'm just find it interesting. One more division between MAGA and Democrats. So when the, this fellow whose name I can't remember, Scott, whatever his name is, I forget his name, uh, makes the threat against Jaron Bailey and gets arrested for it. Pritzker sends out a statement saying it's unto- I don't tolerate it. Uh, we shouldn't go here. When Paul Pelosi gets beat up, beat up, not just a threat, literally beat up. Guy hits him with a hammer. 82-year-old husband of Nancy Pelosi sent to the hospital. When he gets beat up, the main, there are mainstream Republicans. By that, I mean people who control the party immediately put out this notion that it's not what the police said it is, that there was some kind of lover's tryst, which, of course, is just fabricated. They made it up. <laughs> they just made the stuff up. And then, then they use that to make fun of the attack. Donald Trump Jr., baby Trump, Donnie's son. Donald Trump is about to run for re-election and re-election. He's about to run again. Pretty obvious that he's waiting until after the midterms to announce. If he gets elected, there's a very good chance that he would. He almost beat Biden in an electoral college. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. will have a huge platform. Already has a huge platform. So he openly mocked Donald Trump Jr., the attack on Paul Pelosi. The Democrats and Republicans are playing out of two different playbooks. Republicans demean dismiss, marginalize the violence that their side, for better or for worse, does against Dems. Dems are still playing by the old playbook where you denounce violence that, quote unquote, your side does against it. Now, will the Democrats eventually follow the Republicans on this? Will they suddenly start make, like make fun of it? Sort of it's like turn it into... Uh, first of all, lie about it and then 
say, once you've lied about it, you dismiss it as something real, and then you can make fun of the lie that you created? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to head there. That's what I'm saying, D. It's a scary time. You're right. It is a dark time in American politics. Very dark, violent time. I've, I mean, I, I can't recall anything quite like this. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's where the Democrats will head. Right now, we still have a split. There are two s- distinct reactions to this kind of violence. And I don't know uh, if the Democrats will go down that path. I think we're done. The campaign, okay. of course, is not done. All right, everybody. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. Ben, who do we have on the lineup for bonuses this weekend? Well, we actually have a full lineup. Uh, first of all, uh, Rosemary Foyer and uh, Elliot Gorn, historians, radical historians. Come on, we talk about uh, Chicago's radical past. Pretty fascinating conversation. Also, history uh, and how it's being used today or uh, misused today. Uh, we're dropping the Nighthawk show, first Tuesday show at the Nighthawk, uh, where we talk about the Supreme Court races. That uh, drops tomorrow. And then uh, in about ooh, two hours, do an interview with the great Ramon Hussein, which will probably drop Monday. So busy, busy day. All right. And our apologies to Alexi Janulius. We ran out of time. I have something that rhymes with bucket list. (laughs) Take executive action on immigration. Bucket. All right, that is not Alexi, but it sure sounds like him. Uh, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, part of Joy of Alton Lloyd, without whom the joy possible. And as Alexi Janulius, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump Jr. would tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for diapers. Give yourself a raise, take it up, petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Welcome to America, amigos. Que pasa? What? It's the Castros from Texas? Oh. Iowa Queen. Hi, Julian. Anyway, uh, being president is never easy.